0: I speak to you in the name of the Triune God. Amen. How woke are you? No, not awake, though that's important, but woke. I hereby nominate woke as the word of the year for 2019. And I'll bet you didn't know there was such a thing as a word of the year. The Oxford Dictionaries nominate words and declare the winner every year. They say the word that best captured the ethos, mood, or preoccupations of 2018 was toxic. I expect they will take a good long look at woke this year. Now, according to Oxford Dictionaries, woke is the past tense of the verb wake. They also offer a definition of woke when it's used as an adjective. They say woke as in, we need to stay angry and stay woke. They say it means being alert to injustice in society, especially racism. Woke entered the North American vocabulary in the time when Me Too became a hashtag and words on buttons and slogans on signs. Women were standing up, calling men out, powerful men who treated women abominably. And men who were aware of what was going on and hoped to distance themselves from other men were called woke, rejecting patriarchy and affirming equality and calling for justice. Back in the day, some of us learned a longer word. It's conscientized. Woke is a lot easier to say. But like many words that white liberals take and use, it comes from African-American slang. Stay woke, brother. Be alert. Look around you. There's racism and discrimination everywhere. Stay woke, brother. And as it's used around universities today, woke means being more than aware. It means being concerned and riled up about a host of issues and isms and phobias much more than general injustice or specific racism. So becoming woke sounds like a good thing. Shouldn't we all be woke? But there's a dark side to it. And we've heard about speakers banned or uninvited, prevented from speaking on a campus or some other public place like the Toronto Public Library because they don't share all the beliefs of some of the woke. And there is a danger in increased awareness and expanded knowledge of even one issue or ism, we have trouble not only with people who disagree with us, but with people who basically agree with us but don't share our sense of urgency. Sometimes having our eyes opened, becoming woke, mean, means that we become so focused we can't see the forest or the trees or the one tree that we just can't stop looking at. Paul writes to the Romans, it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. Does he mean that Christians should be woke? Well, yes, well, better to say, awake. We have to remember that Paul believes the the end, the fulfillment of God's plan for the salvation of the world, is near. Like so many of the first generations of Christians, Paul expects to be alive when the Lord returns. Now, we know that won't happen, but he doesn't know that yet. He senses time is running out, the night will soon be over, the new world is about to dawn. Meanwhile, he says, how we live matters in the time we have left. We should live honorably as in the day, giving up the things that are almost always done in the dark, and done to excess to our harm and the harm of others. Live the life of the new world now. It's as if what is to come has already arrived. It's the Easter life, the resurrection life, the transformation of the old to the new. And it all began when Jesus rose from the dead. Live honorably as in the day. To do that, we have to wake up. Now, Paul will wake up morning after morning for the rest of his life to discover that his Lord still hasn't come. And later generations of Christians will have this same experience, right down to us. And Jesus tells us about that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Therefore, you must be ready for the Son of Man, that's Jesus, will come at an unexpected hour. It reminds me of a church sign I saw somewhere. Jesus is coming. Look busy. Be ready all the time. But how? First, we have to wake up. For Paul and for Jesus and Matthew's gospel and for the first disciples and for Matthew's and Paul's congregations being ready, staying awake, means watching, reading the signs, living in a way that means Jesus will find them busy doing the right things. But what does this mean for us? Be ready all the time. First, we have to wake up. Now, when Paul says it's time to wake from sleep, he actually uses a passive verb. So what he means is it's time to be awakened Now, is that the same as becoming woke? But who can wake us up? God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit? Yes, all three. The eyes that open when we're called to get up and get on with the day are the eyes of our hearts and souls. And in our world today, it seems isms and phobias have become the accepted norm. Pundits and politicians encourage, authorize, even bless forces that must be challenged. Because as we can see them with our eyes open, they don't just stand between people like us and certain others. They stand against God. They are not what God wills for this world and for all that God has created. The story that we'll remember at Christmas, the big story... I know it's a mishmash of, of Matthew and, and Luke, and we add details along the way to fill it in. You know the, the donkey Mary rode, and the, the innkeeper and the innkeeper's wife, and the, the mouse and the manger, and, and so on. And we make it into a beautiful story. But imagine with me for a moment: Mary gets a message from an angel. By our count, she is still a girl. By the count in her day she is an adult of marriage, marrying age but still young still single and she says she gets a message from an angel and she claims that god intends to do great things for the whole world in and through her who will believe her who will listen to this this girl God's choice of Mary confronts sexism, ageism, and the religion that supports them. It also confronts the moralists, because an unmarried woman, an engaged woman found to be pregnant, has no place in the community. She could even be stoned to death for heresy. And Joseph. Joseph defeats the fundamentalists who would remind him that the letter of the law says, get rid of her for your own sake, preserve your reputation and the integrity of the community. And Joseph says no, because God has something else in mind. And Joseph and Mary come down from Galilee to Judea, where Galileans in general are not really welcome, encountering prejudice and classism. And and what's Joseph really? A carpenter? a day laborer, a nobody. And who? Who are the first to receive the good news of the Messiah's advent in the world? A bunch of shepherds, a rummy bunch, vagrants, people who are not fit to be employed in town. They come and go, and they're expendable. These are the people, these outcasts, not the authorized wise men of proper society and not the religious leaders. God's choice of the shepherds violates all the standards of decency and decorum and so-called community security. And then, if that wasn't enough, a bunch of foreigners arrive. We we, we like to think there are three, but we don't really, we really don't know how many there are, but foreigners. And they're priests of some other religion, some religion that is not the religion of Judea. And yet they're the ones God chooses to reveal the advent of the Lord to the world. That's a challenge to xenophobia and nativism, and God helps them subvert a corrupt ruler's evil intent, at least for a while. The way both Luke and Matthew spin their stories of Jesus' advent on earth spin away from all the forces that we so often shrug off and say, it's just the way of the world. What can you do? We're getting ready to celebrate, to use words from John's Gospel, we're getting ready to celebrate the Word of God made flesh, God coming to us in human form and nature in Jesus. If human flesh is God's chosen medium, if human personality is God's choice as a vessel of the ultimate revelation of God's own self, if a human body is to be offered for the salvation of the world, then all human bodies are equally sacred. All human flesh is equally sacred. If the human way is good enough for God, how dare anyone say that any human being is greater or less than any other? How dare anyone say in the church that some human beings are not worthy of God's vocation and to work in God's service? The eyes of the heart and soul, often opened at God's wake-up call, can see this and cannot accept any word or any action that denies it. Now, I know all this talk of isms and phobias sounds like wokeness, and there's nothing wrong with that if our wokeness comes from what God reveals to us. Waking up to God's alarm means opening the eyes of our hearts and souls to see troubles in the lives of people we love, in the lives of neighbors and strangers, the pain of the world. But it also means recognizing calls to serve and to comfort and to heal and to share the love of God we know through Jesus Christ. We can see where help is needed and where we can best help by offering help or supporting supporting those who are better able to help than we are. Look at our summer outreach barbecue, for example. It's a simple act in which we affirm the personhood, the worth of people who don't amount to much by the standards of our dominant culture. And we do it by being generous and generally gracious and in sharing worship and the Word of God with all who will come. In moments like that, we see the kingdom of God already breaking through. In so many gospel stories, including the one we heard today, we can imagine Jesus looking behind and beyond the people he is talking to, to a future, and to the fulfillment of all of God's promises, and to the dawning of a new day. When God wakes us up, we can see through the eyes of our hearts and souls the future God has in store for all of us, we can't know the, the date or that of that dawn. It could be tomorrow. It could be a million years away. If we're awake, we can see it. Last Tuesday, when our session met, we engaged with a document that was sent to us from the last General Assembly. It's called Living in God's Mission Today. You can get it through the Presbyterian Church website. Perhaps do what one of the elders did. Just read the first three pages and then skip to page 8 but it is a detailed document. It's also an encouraging document. And one thing it says, specifically for us, as Christians and as Presbyterians in Canada, the heart of mission for us lies in this powerful and inspiring hope for the future that is a gift from God. Can we see it? Are our eyes open? Are we awake? Can we see it? And can our neighbors look at us and have their eyes opened to see hope in us? I think we found the difference between being woke and being awake at God's call. Being woke at its best calls for action and struggle. Being awake at God's call calls us to action and struggle driven by a sure hope a hope that draws us forward and outward and toward what God will do for all the world and all that God has created. And in Advent, we anticipate with joy that future. We experience a foretaste of it, and we get to work. Amen. Glory to God. We continue to worship God as we present our offerings.